This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Hello, this is Ian Lee. Thank you so much for downloading the very first episode of my BBC Three Counties podcast. Well, the question you're asking yourself is, what's in this podcast? Well... Let me tell you. Should old people be snogging each other in public? What was George Michael doing lying on the M1? And what's this all about? No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it isn't. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this week, I enjoyed the perfect evening. I was sat at home, in my pants, eating two pizzas, the second of which only cost me a pound, watching Watchdog on a video. I literally took a step back, looked at myself and went, yeah, good lad, well done, you're living the dream. Well, I asked Catherine Boyle what her perfect evening was. So, I'm not going to tell you what I did last night, Catherine. Good. But... I was sat there thinking, I am, I am better off than any king in the world. I was having the perfect evening. The oh, per- right. <laughs> Don't. We were. <laughs> and I was wondering, I was wondering, what would your perfect evening be? Oh, I, I, I kind of had it. <laughs> Shall I speak to you in a bit? <laughs> yes. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we've been asking about your perfect night in. I had a wonderful night last night. And uh, Shirley says, Ian, would you please stop going on about sitting in your pants? I don't want to know. Tough, Shirley. Tough. I'm living the dream and you're just jealous. That's all it is. You're jealous of me. You wish you were there. Well, one man that definitely wishes he was there was our pants correspondent, Justin <laughs> Dealey. Good morning, Dealey. JD. Uh, yes, Ian, good morning. Listen, Ian, yep. you're an attractive guy. Thank but you. I think Shirley's got a point here. What? You, you talking this morning about, about sitting there last night in your underpants, having yep. this great night with your pizza and watchdog. Yeah. It's um, painting images which um, I don't really want in my mind. Why? You couldn't see anything. I was in yeah, my pants. I know. I know. That. That's the problem, though. You see, when you paint the pictures, they come across even worse, don't they? Well, the, the reason I... The reason I I wasn't completely naked yeah. is because when you're eating a Domino's, you get greasy fingers. You've got to wipe the grease somewhere, haven't you? You have so indeed. So I wiped it on yeah. my pants. Yeah, on your pants. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> So you don't sit around in your underwear then, JD? No. I, I in your to, thong? I, I your gold to, thong? My thong is for holidays only. I've told you about <laughs> this before. you got one? Yeah, of course I have. <laughs> What's the problem <laughs> Peter Stringfellow has had a major influence on my life. I love the man. You've got the same colour hair. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, Justin, you've been talking to people this morning. Yes, I have. And uh, just to let you know, the Mark Forrest Best, the BBC local radio show from 7pm tonight. They've been in touch already. <laughs> this feature may well be appearing on that programme. It's on the shortlist. So, I've been in Dunstable this morning and I've been asking people about you and their perfect nights. Yes. And this is what happens. I don't know if I want to play this. Carol, you listen to Ian. Um, first of all, he sits in his underpants. Pants, eating a pizza, watching Watchdog. Can you tell me your thoughts on that? Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. What about your perfect evening? What, what would that be? 
around at our local pub. Yeah. In your underwear or? And no, dressed. No. <laughs> well, Joe, you've heard about Ian Lee's perfect evening. You, you're a big Ian fan. Um, he likes to sit there on a sofa wearing his underpants, eating a pizza, watching Watchdog. Um, what's your reaction to that, first of all? Is that a bit bizarre? I think, he, he, yeah, it is a bit bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, um, well, he's, he's in his own home, isn't he? Yeah. He can do what he likes. A strange man, though, isn't strange he? Strange man he is, yes. <laughs> so what about your perfect evening? Uh, my ideal night would be going out on the town and getting absolutely drunk. Really? <laughs> and you're not 18 years old. You look I'm so not. responsible as well. I am, but it's, yeah. it's a night out, isn't it? It's something yeah. different. Well, okay, I, that's your perfect evening. If you're doing that tonight, stay safe and uh, make sure you book a taxi home. I'll try to, yeah. Thanks very much. Everyone's talking about Ian Lee this morning. What's your thoughts on Ian's perfect night? What do you think about that? Is he a bit odd? Yeah, very odd. I wouldn't be sitting in front of the telly watching Watchdog in my underpants <laughs> eating a pizza. Mind you, you probably don't wear underpants, though, well, do you? There, there you? Yeah, there you go, but whatever tickles their fancy makes them happy. Yeah, very strange. So uh, the big question this morning, what is your perfect night? What would that consist of? Coming home from work, having a bath, getting into bed and watching, not Watchdog, yeah. but anything on the telly. <laughs> Fiona, if somebody said to you their perfect night was staying in, in their underpants, having a pizza and watching Watchdog, um, what do you think about that person? Um, he's got a, a definite plan there. I'm not sure about Watchdog. <laughs> Can understand underpants and pizza. like that idea, yeah. but not Just, Watchdog. OK, so what's your perfect night then? Um, my perfect night would be flying off to Paris with my husband to the Eiffel Tower um, and watching the sun go down. That's not a perfect night. That's a perfect fantasy, isn't it? Well, yeah. If it wasn't with my husband, it would be. <laughs> you all right, Ian? Just, just finishing an email. Hang on a second. Dear <laughs> Tony Hall, I am being bullied <laughs> oh, at work the B word. by my the B assistant, yes. Justine Dealey. Yeah. What's even more amazing is the fact that these people had the time to actually talk to me about this nonsense, about what you get up to, about what you describe Listen, as I, your perfect night. I've got a problem with you, Dealey. On, this problem? Problem, you, right. You, uh, this has been bubbling along for a long time, right? Yeah, come on, let's your, have it. Your, you will. Your questions are very leading questions. Yes. You're disgusted, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. You think it's outrageous, don't you? Yes. You, you think he, him sitting in his pants is horrible, don't yeah. you? You can't do that. <laughs> you cannot do that. Oh, I can email just sent. about get away with it. Um, I think my perfect night actually happens every Monday, in actual fact. It's, um, it's a double curry on a Monday night. I have a nice bath. I listen to Phil Collins, No Jacket Required. Watch curry and then I have a nice steak with creamy mash and mushrooms every Monday is my perfect night. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, it's true. Do you do it in your pants? Um, No, I don't. And this is where it's going to get really weird here. It's not got weird already, is it? The quality of this programme this morning. Um, I like to wear ladies' dressing gowns. And the reason being, because, as you know, from my fashion sense, you mentioned Nick Coffer's fashion sense, goodness me, that is outrageous. But um, I like to wear clothes that are that are quite tight-fitted, let's say. So men's dressing gowns are a bit too baggy for me, so I prefer to wear the ladies' kind. Here's an exclusive. Ladies' pants are quite tight as well, I believe. <laughs> it's a bit, a bit like my thong for the beach. You can't say to that woman, I bet you don't wear any underwear, love. Well, she told me that... No, she said to me that she was wearing underpants. Oh, you're a, go- uh, you're a dirty man. You, underpants. Go, go away. Thank you. Bye. Could you apologise to the listener for the last ten minutes of radio? Yeah, it's very sorry about that, but it was your idea. Thank you very much indeed, Justin Dealey. He won't be working here next week. That's it, he's gone. I'm not having any of that. 
This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Experts have created a report called Sex, Skydiving and Tattoos. It says that ageism is stopping older people from living the lives they might want to, including making them too embarrassed to enjoy public displays of affection, otherwise known as PDAs. Well, is there anything wrong with old people kissing in the street? Yes, there is, obviously, but some people called in to disagree with me. Jenny and Milton Keynes, you agree with me. Snogging in public is disgusting, isn't it? No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> tell, me, tell me why not. Well, I'm, I've, I'm a widow. Sadly, I lost my husband uh, last year. And I, had, I belong to a dating age, and I've not had very many dates. I've only had three. And the one that I had a fortnight ago was very, very, very nice. I only saw him the once, and we had a lovely coffee and a lovely morning. And um, he just gave me such a lovely cuddle and a kiss goodbye to the end. And I would very much like to say thank you to him, and I'd like to wish him a very, very happy birthday from yesterday. Well, hang on a minute, Jenny. Are you saying that on your first date with a stranger you met on the internet, you were kissing and cuddling in the street? No, the third one. Oh. I only gave me a good night kiss, and a goodbye kiss and cuddle just before I went home. Oh, OK, well, you waited till the third date. That, that, that's something to, to uh, be respectful about. When did this date happen, Jenny? About three weeks ago. And have, have you spoken to him since? No, unfortunately, he didn't get in contact oh. again, but I wish he had us, but there we are. That's how life is these days. Oh, Jenny, so do you think that's it for this gentleman? I think so, but I'd still like to say thank you, Roger, and wish him a very, very happy birthday oh, from yesterday. Roger, you old rogue. Jenny, can I ask you a slightly impersonal question, please? Yes. How old are you? 67. 67. And you've been dating online? Yes, for not very long. How, how do you find it? Do you get lots of... I always imagine that if you date online, you just get lots of weird... People getting no, in touch. I've not had any weird people. I think I had one that made me pay for my own cup of coffee. T- excuse me? That's the truth. Really? Yes, they made me pay for my own cup of coffee. But the other two that I've yeah. had have always bought me my cup of coffee. As they, as they show, a coffee and a croissant, I would imagine. Yes. Well, I hope, I hope you gave the, the, the tight-fisted gentleman the, the, the cold shoulder. Yes, I did. Good for you. Well, Jenny, listen, best of luck. I hope you find what you're looking for. I wish I could, but when you get to my age, life is very, very difficult. Well, I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sorry for your loss, but Jenny, c- keep plugging away at it. I'm sure you'll be fine. Shirley's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning, Ian. Sh- you, you must, you, you sound sensible. You must agree with me that PDAs, public displays of affection, are awful and they should be stopped immediately. Definitely not. Oh, for goodness sakes, what's going Definitely on? Definitely not. Surely. My boyfriend is 78 next month. Ooh. I should be 69 this year. Oh, a sugar daddy. We've been together for just about five years now. We don't live together, we've got our own houses. But whenever we meet up, in the, you know, whether it be in the street, whether it be in the supermarket, wherever it is, he always gives me a kiss. In the supermarket? Yes. So you could, you'll be in Iceland or, or Tesco's? In Tesco's, yes. And he says, Cheryl, come here, girl. Yes, we'll, we'll meet up. I'll go and do my shopping and he'll come down and do his and we'll meet up in the supermarket. And... He'll always give me a kiss. Disgusting. No, it isn't. It, it, yes, it it's, is. No, it isn't disgusting, it is. Ian. It's horrible. Do you know what? I feel really sorry for you. Beg your pardon? I feel really sorry for you. Why is that? But because you don't like public da- displays of no. affection. What's wrong with it? It's private. It's I, dirty. No, 
It is not dirty at all. Dirty, Shirley. No, dirty. it is not dirty at all. You are a dirty woman, Shirley. Um, definitely not. Hey, how dare you? How did how did he wangle you two living in separate houses? That's the perfect setup. Because no, because we don't want to live together. Mm. We're very very happy the way we are. We love each other dearly. But we're very happy the way we are. We've got our own houses, we value our own space, and we value our independence. Shirley, love talking to you. But we love spending time together. I'm, I'm sure you do. You've been a good sport. Thank you for talking to me, Shirley. Thank you, Ian. There we go, Shirley and Milton Keynes. Dirty Shirley. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. final against Crystal Palace at Wembley. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. You're always snogging in public, aren't you? Like, like a dog really. on heat. Not really. Where have you heard that? Oh, those are just the rumours going round. Oh, those rumours. Yeah? No? Not really. You say, got... you say not really. That implies there's a certain element well, of, of it. I like hand-holding. Yeah. If I feel moved to, I might give him a, a little peck. Mm. But no tongs. I mean, for heaven's sake. We've got two children. That's enough of a PDA, isn't it? This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. My show is weekdays between six and nine. The gentleman who takes over after nine o'clock is a chap called Jonathan Vernon-Smith. He's really rather good. He pops into my studio about 20 past eight every morning to tell me what's going on in his show. Well, on Friday he came in and we started talking about another Three Counties presenter, Nick Coffer. And his shoes. Nick Coffer. Live from the Luton Centre for Carnival Arts, today from midday. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Nick Coffer at the carnival, wearing his blue suede shoes, looking like he's got the blues. But, but, I caught but. A, uh, a glimpse of Nick Coffer's blue suede shoes yesterday. Yes. Quite a look, aren't they? He, Nick Coffer, I think, is an excellent broadcaster, and I think he does a cracking show, and he gets wonderful guests. But... Mm. And uh, there is a big butt, not just Nick's big butt. He does dress <laughs> bravely. <laughs> Bra- he's a brave dresser. I wondered where you were going with I that. had to hop- bring myself back a little bit for legal reasons. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to make a man cry again. He dresses very, very bravely, doesn't he? He does. He's a brave dresser. Blue he's suit. got unusual dress sense. Well, you, you always um, you laugh at him openly. I have, I have laughed, and I think that's that's cruel. Well, he del- he he's sometimes he comes in looking like Timmy Mallet. <laughs> was that rude? It was rude. Oh. Timmy Mallet, now a well-respected artist who sells his pictures for fifteen thousand pounds a shot. Really, Timmy Mallet from Mallet's Mallet. Gosh, he used to work here. You know, he did drive time. <laughs> I knew he worked here. He did drive time. Mm. Well, him and Roberto have got many similar attributes. <laughs> no, they haven't at <laughs> They're all. They're like twins. <laughs> Roberto's good. I'm sure Timmy Mallet was good. We got ourselves in such... <laughs> we basically slagged off everybody we've ever met or ever will meet. Awful. Thanks a lot. Mm. Listen, we're talking about the perfect evening. I, last night I had such a wonderful evening. I heard you in your pants eating pizza. In my pants. Pizza. Two pizzas. The second one only cost me a quid. Oh, it was joy. And I was watching Watchdog on the video. It was it was wonderful. I fast forward through the sports guy. I don't like him, but Matt Allwright and Anne Robinson, I just think are oh, they're a killer team. Really? Don't mean she literally murders people, but if she did, we'd probably let her off because she's, I just think she's so good at, at she's presenting. She's Anne Robinson. She's Anne Robinson. When, when she wears those leather trousers... <gasps> seriously. Seriously. <laughs> no, seriously. Anne Robinson in tight leather trousers. You like her? She wasn't wearing them last night. 
Anyway, that was my perfect evening. And I, I took a step away from myself, looked at myself, nodded and went, yeah, this is it, man. You're li- that's that's living all right. tragic to me. Oh, for goodness sake. Sitting in your pants eating pizza or eating, watching Watchdog. Yeah, that's living all right. Really? Yes, to quote uh, the Alvarez and Pet theme. What's your perfect evening, Jonathan? My perfect evening? Yeah. I think my perfect evening is a hot summer's evening, balmy weather, sitting in a pub garden, a bit sloshed. You're balmy. <laughs> tell you. That, I'd rather do so you're, that, you're though, perfect, you? Look, you're perfect... Uh, so you're an alcoholic? Your no. perfect evening is being drunk? No, but I'd rather, on a hot summer's evening with friends, having a laugh... Perhaps someone falls off the chair, that kind of thing. So you're so drunk you're falling out of your chairs now. This is (laughs) awful. The Daily Mail needs to look at you. Forget the 14-year-olds and Bing's drinking Britain. Bing's drinking Jonathan Vernon Smith. (laughs) That sounds like a fun evening to me, you know. Uh, You you, you think I sound tragic. You You sound pathetic. I'd have to paint shoes on, though. And I certainly wouldn't be in my pants. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So this week, MPs were voting whether to give gay marriage the thumbs up or not. And on my show, I spoke to the chairman of the Conservatives' grassroots campaign, Robert Woolard from Buckinghamshire, to ask him why he's opposing plans to legalise gay marriage. Why are you so against gay marriage? Well, you know, it's a question of taking the word marriage. Now, we all know what the word marriage means. Uh, marriage predates religion and state. Uh, marriage is between, as far as we're concerned, and as far as most people are concerned in this country, marriage is between a man and a woman, chiefly for the procreation of children. Uh, and to bring up children, to nurture children uh, in who would have a father and a mother. As far as I'm aware, children cannot produce, be produced uh, any other way about, other than with a father and a mother. Robert, what about those, those heterosexual couples mm. that can't have children? That, that would mean that their marriage is invalid in your eyes, if the sole purpose no, is I to raise children. Chiefly, I said chiefly. Chiefly, OK. Obviously, where, where adoption takes place, there, there is then a, a, a father and a mother. Gays can adopt now. I'm talking about marriage. The, the, well, you asked me what, what, what you asked me what I felt about yes, marriage. Yes, I'm but, talking about marriage. Yes, I know. But you're, you're saying one of the, the reasons, one of the definitions of marriage is bringing up children. Gay people can bring up children. So why can't they be married? No, I said marriage is is chiefly marriage is about, as far as we're concerned, uh, is 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 an age old institution. We all know what the meaning of marriage is. You, you, we've all had uh, somewhere down the line, whether we knew them or not, we had a father and a mother. But marriage is about a man and a woman getting married, not solely for the reason of having children, but I, 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 I believe chiefly, chiefly for the purpose of procreation of children. But you've, again, maybe you didn't hear me, Robert. Mm-hmm. Gay people can adopt children, so they can Sorry, bring I'm up not children. Going, I'm not going into uh, uh, the adoption. Uh, well, you brought it up. You, you know, no, you're, you're talking about the meaning of the word marriage, yes. and I'm answering your question. You, you brought up adoption. That's why I was, I was pushing it. No, I didn't bring up the word adoption. You, you brought up the no, word No, I adoption. didn't, Robert. If you listen back to the tape, you, you pulled it up. But let's, let's move on from that, as you're obviously maybe mishearing things. Uh, why can't two people stand up in front of their friends and family and say, we love each other, we're going to get married, we're going to try and spend well, the rest of our lives together. Surely that's a nice thing, yes, Robert, when families is, are falling is, apart. Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, please don't, uh, don't twist my words. Um, Tim Loughton 
has introduced something, uh, an amendment to the bill, wherein he is saying, uh, you know, why can't heterosexual couples have a civil partnership? That at the moment is there. It was brought in by the Labour government purely and simply for um, same-sex couples. There, there is the provision there in law for uh, same-sex couples to have a civil partnership. And uh, my understanding is countless numbers are very happy with our arrangement. I don't understand what that's now, got to do Tim, with gay marriage. Tim, no, what Tim Loughton is saying, and I, I, see, I see sense in his argument, is, well, <laughs> you know, if, if, if same-sex marriage, if same-sex couples can have a civil partnership, why can't heterosexual couples? What's that got to do with gay marriage? I'm slightly confused by this, what's been <clears throat> described as a, a smokescreen by some MPs. Because, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, equality, uh, and here we have a situation where same-sex couples can have a civil partnership, but heterosexual couples can't. Oh, Robert, come on, now you're, you're being silly. That's, that's, that's just a, a little smoke and mirrors, isn't it, to detract from the main thing, that, that you are against gay we, people we getting married. A, we, as a, a group of people, and bear in mind, this isn't 100 activists uh, that uh, were cobbled together yesterday in response to this uh, by certain people at uh, uh, CCHQ. Um, this is we we could we could if we wanted if we wanted to put a petition in. In fact, over six hundred thousand people signed a petition by the campaign for marriage during the uh, consultation process, and they said they were opposed to a change in the law and a change to redefine marriage. So no, we're talking about uh, thirty-four, I think it was thirty-four, thirty-five um, conservative or former conservative chairman of constituencies who have put this um, petition in yesterday, the Prime Minister. Are you homophobic, Robert? Not at all. Then why can't you support equality? <clears throat> Look, you've asked me, if, if we're to continue this conversation, uh, please don't twist my words. No, uh, I'm you, just asking, you, you don't support you've equality. you about the subject of marriage. Yes, you don't support equality because you and don't I'm support gay people about, getting married. I, no, no, no. I, I'm talking about marriage. Now, if we're going to continue the conversation... Let's continue the conversation regarding the meaning of marriage. Well, no, the, the, you obviously don't support equality, because equality would mean that gay people could marry in the mm. same way that straight people can. We're talking about the, the term marriage, and as far yes. as we're concerned, marriage is between a man and a woman. So you don't support equality? Well... <laughs> You know, is a man the same as a woman? Is a woman the same as the same as a man? You know, we, there there are different. Um, do you, you, I have a I had a mother. I had a father. Fortunately, I was brought up in a family uh, with a mother and a father. Not everyone is, but the point is, in order to produce children, you need a mother and a father. Some children don't have mothers or fathers, and they have they may have two dads. For example, Elton John and his partner David Furnish have mm. got. Uh, at least one child, possibly two, I think. That, that, that's doesn't, a doesn't different matter. That... I, we're talking about the term marriage, and if same-sex couples want a civil partnership, the law provides for that. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Listen to this front-page headline. I saw George Michael fall out of 70 miles per hour car and bounce down the M1. What?! 
George Michael, the uh, Greek pop singer, f- fell out of a car on the M1. Now, of course, he has a, a troubled history uh, involving cars. And indeed, let's be honest, drugs. He likes a cheeky little puff every now and then, I'm led to believe. And he didn't, was it, was it um, Snappy Snaps that he smashed into in Highgate? I uh, lived near there at the time and we all went and had a little look at the Snappy Snaps that he'd smashed into. Very naughty George. But falling out of the M1, a driver yesterday revealed she nearly ran over George Michael. The sentence continues. After he fell from his car on the M1 at around 70 miles per hour, stunned Catherine Fox, 23, above, skidded to a halt as the singer, 49, slammed into the carriageway. She added, he was lucky he didn't die. Full story, page five. We turn to page five. There's a picture of... Look at the traffic you've caused, George! For goodness sakes, it's backed up all up the M1. It's local as well. Oh, yes. Catherine, 23, said the singer's clothes were ripped and his training shoes torn off along with his trademark designer sunglasses. They would. If you rolled along the M1, your sunglasses would probably fall off. She added, There was a nasty cut on his forehead and the back of his head. There was blood all down his face and on his teeth. He was breathing and conscious, but in shock. George was in the uh, car on a four-lane stretch of the M1 near St Albans, Hertfordshire. That's us. That's us. That's a local story. So hands off other BBC local radio stations. We're having this one. Two friends pulled onto the hard shoulder and ran back across two lanes of traffic to help George. George didn't say anything. He just seemed in shock. You would be, wouldn't you? If you'd fall- How on earth does a 49-year-old man fall out of a car on the motorway? Ah, oh dear. You better come quick. This doesn't look good, said the, uh, Catherine Fox to the ambulance as she dialed 999. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I have very little sympathy for George Michael. He's not, let's be, he's not done a good song since, um, since Faith. When was that, 25 years ago? Something like that. Well, can we find out when Faith was? I bet it was longer ago than I think. Uh, he fell out of a car on the M1. Now, he needs a child lock on that door. That's what my boys try and open the door when we're driving along. It's a child lock. I tell them it can only be opened with magic. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Gollies, are they offensive? Uh, a badge has been sold on uh, eBay for 99 pence, featuring the Milton Keynes Don's colours, uh, and also a golly. Well, are they offensive? Donna's online. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Ian. Do- are gollies offensive? Of course they're not. Of course they're not. I'm from a mixed race family. Right. Uh, my dad was black, my mother was white, and there was 11 children. Oh, blimey. I know. Yes. Um, <laughs> they were busy. And you're talking sort of mid, late 60s, early 70s, when we all lived at home. Yes. And we used to get gollies for Christmas, uh, gollies for birthday presents. I've still got a golly as a key ring on my car keys. And you still use it now, in 2013? Yeah. But it's a toy. I don't know if you... you, Justin, our reporter Justin Daly, spoke to some people, uh, some black people. Half of them were offended, and half of them thought it was a good laugh. Why do you think people are offended? I just... Personally, I think... Get over yourself. You know, it's if you if you take offence by something like that, then you're insecure with who you are. Donna, stay there. Stephen in Luton, get over yourself. Hiya. You're insecure. That's that's what yeah. Donna's saying. I think I think if you don't know the history of the gollywog and where it's historically coming from, I think it's easy easy to really say that. But I do excuse. know the history of the gollywog because my father was black. Okay, well, I'm also 
I'm also black, and if I just explain to you my my uh, research into the gollywog, um, and uh, I've had I've been abused with the gollywog. I've had I'm in my mid twenties, so I didn't grow up through the the fifties or sixties when it was popular. I just grew up in a time when they were used to literally, you know, abuse my, myself and other black people how, in my school. How were you abused, Stephen? Because of, they were thrown the gully- at me. They were thrown at me. I was called gollywog. The kids that wore them as badges on their uniform were you were like I, like they didn't hang out with the other black kids. It was almost like a modern swastika. When, when so was I at school though? I was bullied. I was the minority at my school. Yeah, I'm a, I was a minority as well, and I was bullied directly with gollywogs. When, when was this, Stephen? You say you're in your, your 20s. When was I'm this? in my mid-20s. So I, went to, I graduated in 2002, so not too long ago. So, so the, late 90s, the, or... the late 90s, yeah. there were, you're, you're saying there were children at school who would, would throw gollies at you and call you golly? Yeah, would, would throw them at me. Oh. And, and going back to the, the, the historical aspect of gollywog, you have to look at the image that's being portrayed here. It's a sick caricature of black people based on the, the you know, the minstrel. It was a, if you look at what the minstrel was, it was a form of entertainment for white people that made black people look stupid. My I mean, dad you used couldn't... to watch that. My, my mum and dad used to watch the black and white minstrels. And they looked yes. at well, it was for <laughs> entertainment. Well, exactly. It was for entertainment, and it was it was a caricature of black people. We were made to look like clowns. We were dressed in clowns' outfits. If you look at a, min- a min- it's always black. There's no white gollywog. He's always dressed as a minstrel. Uh, I mean, sorry, a clown. He's always. You know, if you if look you at how they act, so you let me finish. If you look at how they act, yes, and, I, I, I'm very much aware. And you will find white gollywogs on there because I found them. Um, okay, but they're not officially white. They're not depicted in Eden Blighton books. I've the lady that, 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 yeah, I've got, that um, you know, teaches them heavily. Yeah, I've still got my Eden book with three gollywogs. Yes, there's not one white gollywog in there. Officially, a gollywog is black. But it, 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 there's there's no, it a white? Stephen, 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 it does look like a it, no. It looks like a slave. That's what it does. It doesn't no, look like oh, a regular David. black person. If you let me finish, I'm not. I'm, I'm being well, no, cut no, off. No, and Stephen, I can't you, get a word no, edgeway on the on Stephen, the air. Stephen, you, you have got quite a few words in. You just said something there that's, that I think is, is is quite outrageous. It looks like a slave. Really? Yeah, if I can just explain. Yes, it does. It looks like... It, come on. It's the, the ear piercing and the big... The, uh, you, you, so, yes, boss, uh, I'm a, I'm a, you go this way. And it was that depiction that came from the South in America as Stephen, well. I'm looking at all of these... Let, let me finish, I guess. No, no because we're running out of time, and I'm, I'm keen to get this one. None of the gollies I've seen have earrings. None of them will... None we we don't know how they speak. Earrings. They don't look like slaves, Stephen. I think you could be stretching the point ever so slightly there. I was with you up until slaves. I, 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 don't, I don't think you've looked into the history of that No, no, image I'm looking at the, the image. I'm looking at the actual image of the golly, which is what you said. During, you said the image okay, looks like just, slaves, and it, yes, it and, doesn't. Yes, and if I could explain that point, yes, you, you, that's your opinion, but my opinion is, if you look at the South in America, minstrels were paraded in front of white audiences. In the UK as well, they were made to do very silly, stupid things. They, were, they, were, they acted in low intelligence in their character roles. OK, uh, Donna, we're running out of time. Would you like to have one more... Well, I I still feel the same. You know, I think that was all many years ago. It happened. It shouldn't have happened. That's not how... It did happen, though, right? I'm not saying it didn't happen. It did happen, and it shouldn't have happened. However, this is... I'm black, and I find it offensive. Stephen, Donna, let you speak. You have the same respect, please. This is 2013 now. That's not what it means anymore. And that's why I say, get over yourself. It doesn't mean that anymore. 
This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. My favourite headline of the week. I saw George Michael fall out of a 70 miles per hour car and bounce down the M1. Well, it turned out the woman who witnessed this amazing thing is from Dunstable. 23-year-old Catherine Fox says she was... Well, she's here. Catherine, good morning, Catherine. Hello. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Tell me me the story. You're driving along the M1 near St Albans. Yeah, I was on my way home from work. I was in the third lane and the car in front had slowed down so I went to go into the fourth lane realised he'd then slowed down at that point everyone was going normal there wasn't any traffic really Um, so I had to slam my brakes on and went between the third and fourth lane because I was going quite fast my car then spun out a little bit and went back into the third lane at that point I looked back and saw a body lying in the road so I stopped my car because no one else had stopped apart from the car behind which I thought was so everyone was just driving past well done well done (laughs) Um, well and I I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't I I, I saw a car it's tyre go a few weeks ago I pulled over to help them make sure they were all alright of course you do but they didn't you were the good Samaritan well there was another guy behind who was an off duty police officer um, and he had stopped as well and I got out of my car and the guy's phone had gone out of battery so we used my phone to call the ambulance um, and because he was an off police officer he had a jacket and everything so he put his heart and this is in the middle of the motorway in third lane and cars are still going past you of cars like no (laughs) see that must have been terrifying for you to be stood on the motorway well it was and at one point the 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 guy behind me said do you want to get in your car and go to the hard shoulder but because all the cars were going normally i couldn't just start my car and start going into the um motorway normally so i reversed my car up um, so that George Michael was in between my car and the back car. <laughs> That's such a great did, sentence. Still didn't know it was George Michael. You didn't know it was him until the Friday evening, the next day. So this happened on the Thursday last week. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll find out when you discovered it was him in a minute. So, so you you, you kind of reverse your car a bit just to protect this un, at the time unknown gentleman's body. Yeah. And then what happened? You just waited. Well, he was conscious and everything, and right. he was sat up. And the people who he was in the car with came across the road. I, I don't remember that bit at all. Right. But then they were comforting him, sat behind him. The police or the ambulance were asking me how old he was, so I asked the gentleman how old he was, um, who was with George Michael, and he obviously said 49, and it still didn't click. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he was sat there being comforted by the guy with cuts on his head. And and did you speak to him? Because when I've been on the scenes of that, are you all right, mate? Can yeah, I get you anything? Yeah, You're yeah. doing all that? <laughs> yeah, like he was a normal guy. And what did he say? <laughs> he, he was, I'm totally shocked, so I don't think he was in any state to talk. Right, OK. anyone would be in that position. Okay. So the ambulance came, the police came, and they, they load him up. And, oh, and he went in the helicopter, didn't he? Yeah, well, he went into the ambulance first because the right. helicopter took longer to arrive, but the ambulance were arrived while I was still on the phone to them which was really good yeah um, they pulled I don't know if they knew at that point I'm not sure but yeah the ambulance pulled up George Michael went into there until the helicopter came and he landed in the field opposite and how long did it take I've got a picture here this is from mm-hmm. yesterday on page 5 how long did it take for the, the, in this picture the road is blocked and there's your car there's, there's where George Michael is mm-hmm. and there's traffic going back well, I would imagine for quite some distance how long did it take to, to block the M1 like that it was almost immediately as right. soon as those cars came because that ambulance there yeah. turned on his side and obviously cars saw. Wow. Um, and the guy who was behind me was an off-duty police officer. So at that point, he had slowed the traffic down and was getting it more in line. So people knew there was something about to s- stop. Right, so that was Thursday. What, mm-hmm. what time did this happen, roughly? Uh... About quarter to six, it must have been, because I left work at right. half five. OK, so. so... And you go home, and if you're involved in an incident like that, I imagine you're a bit shaken yourself, was, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. 
that was one of the reasons why I stopped in the first place because I had nearly crashed myself. Yeah. So I was a bit sort of sh- shaken up, and I didn't know that he, I didn't know what happened with him. I don't know whether yeah. he'd fallen out of a car or. So you didn't he... see him fall out. You just saw a body on the on the road. Yeah. Okay. So you, you get home that night. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you live with your, your parents or if you yeah, live with your boyfriend. Parents. You go, oh, mum, I've had a really. Oh, you won't believe what just happened. A guy fell out in the middle of the road. Oh, it was awful. I'm off to bed. That was that was the <laughs> evening. Is that what? Um, kind of. Right. I. I was slightly shocked and mum made me a um, sugary tea. Yeah, mums are excellent, aren't they? That's <laughs> they are. totally the, the first rule of mums is make a nice sugary, sugary tea. tea. So I sat there and uh, my boyfriend was waiting for me and he sort of comforted me and then it was, it was sort of the topic the whole night, really. So at what point, you didn't recognise this guy at all, he was just a chubby bald fella with a beard? Uh, yeah. My words, not yours, okay. don't worry about that. <laughs> at what point did you realise... It was George Michael. Um, the next day I was at work and I was speaking to one of my colleagues late in the after- afternoon yeah. and we were just saying whatever. She went back to her desk and someone had emailed her saying, so this is the reason why we were late home last night right. and sent the link of George Michael on the BBC because it was only the BBC that knew yeah. and they said he'd been in a car accident. Yeah. Um, obviously that's why it didn't click in my head first of all. Then she sent me that link, I put two and two together and I was sat there... And my mouth sort of dropped, and I was, well, that was me with him. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and did your mates believe you at work? Oh, shut up, Catherine. Because you, you, well, because I told them, yeah. and they knew I didn't know about this, they automatically believed me. Um, and then I went upstairs and told my boss and was like, oh, my God, can you believe this has just happened? Yeah. Rung my mum and dad, and they were like, no way. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you, I've got to say, v- very nice, moody photo of you in the oh, sun. They're looking at your serious face. Is, uh, <laughs> well, I I. I, I Started sm- I was smiling at the start, and then I thought, well, maybe this isn't isn't right. It's a bit inappropriate. Yeah. So they said, "Oh, um, just do another face." Do, so a, they do were, a sensible, serious. They were like, "Do a serious moody face. face." Serious face. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming George Michael has, has been in touch and sent you, I don't know, tens of thousands of pounds to say oh, thank no, you. Unfortunately, not. Has he not? No. <laughs> has he not? Has he, I mean, he's in hospital. He's I mean, still I in hospital, so I don't know. I, I don't really know how he how he is or anything. But I would hope to hear from him just to see. You would think you'd think he'd invite you around to his house for a cup of tea cup or a cheeky. Smoke or sugary something. Tea. Yeah, it's a nice sugary tea. <laughs> Maybe a signed greatest hits or something like that yeah, would be, be nice. quite nice. Uh, and, and you're getting all this attention from. I mean, it is that's such a great headline on the front page of the Sun. I saw George Michael fall out of 70 miles per hour car and bounce down the M1. Bounce. Another mo- moody photo. Uh, you're getting all this attention. What's that? that what's that like? Because you, you've just witnessed a car accident. That's all that happened, really. Yeah. But suddenly you're on the front page of this. You're doing radio interviews. What's it, that like? It is surreal. I obviously the day before I was just a normal person going to work and now people are getting hold of me here there and everywhere and contacting me and things and it is surreal but it's such a this will go I can imagine within the next couple of days so it's something that you just How on earth do you fall out of a car that's on the motorway at 70 miles an hour? Do not ask I, I don't know Across beds, hearts and bucks This is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio That's it, that's your lot. That's the very first episode of the Ian Lee BBC Three Counties podcast. If you want to listen to the whole shows, you can do by going into BBC iPlayer and typing in Ian Lee, or you can listen to me live on BBC Three Counties Radio every weekday between six and nine. Until next time, ta-ta. Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks. On FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties.